what's going on everybody we're in a new room it's a new year but you know it hasn't changed what is not new is the new creative spotlight's mission to bring another creative amazing person straight to you that you probably did not know was around you and today is no exception as we're talking to mr carl danielson he is a musician pianist and composer with over 30 years of experience and he is here to talk to our audience today carl thank you so much for joining us thank you chris Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So the first thing we always do on the Canoe Creative Spotlight is give you an opportunity to shine. This is your moment. Please tell the people where you're from, how you got started in the business. This is your time. I'm from Oakland, California. Uh, I was born in 1961, which makes me 59 years old. Uh, for anyone who knows the history of California, those were um, times for Oakland, California. We were right in the center of all the stuff in the 60s uh, and the 70s. And I actually went to the University of California, Berkeley. Uh, I started off, I was going to be a music and an acting major, but uh, it was gonna take me too long to get through. I, I got a lot out of university, um, but four years was gonna be enough. And my parents would not have let me get a degree in acting. So I, I did the music thing there and I studied a bit of composition, a bit of conducting. And then a year after, um, I decided that I had to do the acting thing while I was young. My, my, my mantra through life was, I don't wanna be 40 and say I didn't give it a shot. And that is the thing that has guided me through my life. So I auditioned and I got into a drama school in London. And I went there for two years and came back and I got my card right away. Uh, but I've always had the two careers going. Uh, my second grade teacher told my mother I should have piano lessons. So I started piano at an early age. And by the time I was 12, I was playing for churches and playing for theaters. I was in the musicians union at 16 and conducting at 19, but I kind of didn't want to go down that, that road. So I've spent my life balancing between the two, which has been really good in some ways because um, music and theater connect. So I could coach singers with their acting and their singing, and that got me to the next job when I couldn't get an acting job. And then in later years, I was doing a play in, uh, in Denver, at the Denver Center, and I really liked the, the musical director. He's a composer by the name of Larry Dellinger. And so in the mid-90s, I started really thinking about the composition again. I did some classical studies and that's when I really started writing my musical theater pieces. That's awesome, that's awesome. I love that your like your career has spanned so many different um, categories of you know professionalism, like you know just kind of going from acting into music and kind of merging those two things. Because as you said, uh, theater and music, you know, they rely on each other heavily, obviously. They can, um, yeah. You know, so do you do you find that like you know, I mean, you obviously seem like you have uh, from the work you do now, you lean more into music and everything. But do you still have the acting club? Like, you still pursue jobs and anything like that? I was, I do. I was very fortunate. As a matter of fact, I had four jobs, four act, four really nice acting jobs booked. Uh, and the first one was to start rehearsal March twelfth last year. So I got the call um, the day of. Um, I worked pretty much nonstop for about 20 years as an actor. I'd audition, I'd leave town. Most, uh, I mean, I've had a few New York credits, but uh, mostly regionally. Um, but then I, I got tired of traveling. 
So about 10 years ago, I really made the choice to stay put. And then of course, as soon as my agents and I decided that I was gonna do, stay here and see what I can come up with, I got an amazing job at the Stratford Festival in Canada. So I went there for a year, but that was good. Um, and then when I came back, because I was not willing to travel, the work was much, much slower. So the fact that, that so I was there in 2012. Um, so then, you know, the irony that it took until 20 to, 2020 to have four jobs. And I did have some nice gigs along the way, but it would be one here and I might leave town for a month, something like that. Um, so I still have my, my, my foot in that door, but I do not want to travel. I did that for 20 years. Over it at this point, I get Well, you. it's great, but you know, enough. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, it, it definitely wears eventually. Yes, I have friends that have worked, um, you know, have get, gotten bitten by the acting bug and have served as extras and, you know, have lived that lifestyle for a long time, like living on Mandy and looking for gigs and stuff like that. Um, and it's, it is a hard life. It is a hard life, you know, even to this day, you know, to, uh, the pursuit of acting in itself is such, it's also very competitive, but it's, it seems, you know, you have, you know, a friend of mine told me a story about how he went to a, um, to an audition and it was basically like a room of like 15 people that looked just like him, you know what I mean? Or very, very similar in, you know, in look and, you know, ethnicity and hairstyle. And I didn't know they got that uh, specific. You know, and uh, he didn't get the gig, um, but he did get uh, a separate role that was part of it. Semi-actor, you know, um, he had like one line in it. It was for like a, a show, I think it was like Law and Order or something of that nature. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because they do a lot of filming out here. Yes, um, I've had my Law and Order episode. It's been so long ago that it's time yeah. for another one, but yes. Absolutely, absolutely. They wouldn't recognize you at this point. You know, you could just go on to play a whole different role now, you know? Or they'll, Do you know or they'll was, lean back from a previous episode. <laughs> well, no, and it was a tiny little thing, but every time it played, someone would call me and say, yeah. hey, you just saw it. Yeah, yeah. But, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I respect your journey very much just because I as well, like, um, have lived my life in a way where it's like, I have ambitions that kind of run parallel against each other. You know what I mean? Where they kind of, I try to continue my pursuits on one while also doing the other and hope that along the way, they kind of help and benefit each other, you know, whereas maybe I'm not getting an opportunity in one, but the other opportunity will open the door in the future, you know? Um, I think that that creative nature is, is something that a lot of people who create these days are trying to do, where you find people who specialize in multiple things, you know, and I right. think that's a, probably a smart way to be. Um, you know, one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about, um, you know, because we met um, at uh, Andre Stith's of Love City Art. We let we met um, at his uh, People's Cabaret, where we all kind of just came in, had about a minute or three minutes or something like that to perform and talk about ourselves. And, um, and I was very, you know, captivated by your energy and just, you know, your performance and everything. And, um, you know, in that time you spoke about CREA, which was an organization that you founded with other people. Um, and I felt like your mission and my and our mission here at Canoe was kind of very similar in our in our approach. Um, so I just wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about CREA and, and all the great things that you guys do over there. So so CREA stands for Collaborating to Reimage and Evolve the Arts. <laughs> I didn't come up with the name. Uh, and, and the and the, the 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 words we came up with after 
Um, but it was born out of a, a desire to create a space for artists. Since I'm almost 60, I have watched the world change so much over the last, at least let's say 45, 50 years in, in, in terms of an artist's journey. Um, and I, what, what makes me sad now is that the training programs out there, I mean, I went to four years of University of California, Berkeley, which is one of the great universities in the country for a grand total. Are you sitting down, Chris? Of $4,000. <laughs> and that's not $4,000 a year. That's $4,000 for four years. And then I went to a first class drama school in London for about the same amount, maybe five or six. And of course I had to live there. But but now the, the, the training that young people want, it, it's astronomical what it costs. And then, and what CREA was um, developed for, well, two, two reasons, but where is that ground in between, okay, I went to school, but now I just need to practice and I need to have a place to go and sing the stuff that I want to sing or do the monologues I want to do or dance or whatever it is. Um, that is that is not a class. That is just a person, you know, practicing their art. And and my goal at the beginning, um, we're, we're on a hiatus now because we've always been a live organization. We, we haven't done the virtual thing, um, but we will certainly start again. But I think there's an audience for that. Yeah. People that live in the live in the neighborhood, whatever that is, and on their way home from work, maybe want to see what the local artists are doing. Mm -hmm. uh, the the business Broadway theater. I mean, obviously it was cheaper when I was a kid, but it wasn't cheaper in proportion. You didn't think, oh, I'm going to go see the local touring show and I have to save my money. It was something that was affordable. Um, so, so I'm trying to do two things with CREA and we've, we've been quite successful. I've seen, obviously I have my own students that come in, both both private students and I, I teach um, Shakespeare and acting at the New York Film Academy. So those, those people come in as well. But then the word is starting to spread to people that I don't know. And that's the best, right? And we all come in and it's a totally accepting space. And we've done a handful of events, maybe in the, so we, we started in early 2017 and we've probably had six or seven events, very similar to the kind of thing that Andre Stith does at Love City Arts. Yeah. What are you going to share? Um, and it's not about criticism or anything. It's just about here's what I have and uh, who who might be interested. I, I think, you know, I think that's just beautiful in concept and just in delivery. Because, I mean, it's, as you said, you know, I'm a, man, times have changed, man. You said $4,000, my God. Right? You know, I went to university and, and, and graduated my BA. And, you know, I won't even say the number that I owe, you know, but my story is similar to a lot of people's stories now where, you know, we graduated and, you know, we went out there into the world and said, hey, this is the time I've spent, the money I've spent to learn a craft and learn a skill. And I'm just looking for an opportunity to grow and to build from that point. And, you know, what sad thing was, was that so many people like slammed the door on my face and other people's face that said, you know, well, 
you didn't have to do that. You know, you could have just came here and interned for a year and you know, taught you everything. And it's just like, all right, well, that's one way to do it. But I did that and I took my education seriously and I'm looking for an opportunity, you know, and um, it kind of led me down the road that I'm on right now, you know, of just saying, well, I interned for you for a couple months now. I'm looking for opportunities and well, you don't want to give it to me. So I'm going to make them for myself. Amen. You know yeah. what I mean? And, yes. uh, you know, luckily we live, and like you said, the world has changed so much. We live in the generation of technology and accessibility and, mm -hmm. you know, YouTube and the ability to really take your creative ambitions to a new level and take, you know, power in what you create, you know, organizations like, like yours, like Crea and others that we have, you know, interacted with and since we've started are just giving us reason to believe that, you know, that mission is very much something that people believe in and one that people will continue to work towards because you need you need environments like that you need people that will say listen you've worked hard you are passionate and we want to just give you a chance to show us what you got you know what i mean no no experience no hey i have i've done this many shows i've worked That's this right. many gigs um you know everybody has to start somewhere you know, and those first couple opportunities can help reinvigorate somebody's passion. You know, it's so sad when somebody just gives up on what they do because of lack of resource or lack of interest, you know? So this has nothing to do with anything, but around 2001, well, exactly 2001, because we did our second performance the, the, the day of 9-11, September 11th. I was doing this play called Two Pianos, Four Hands, and I've done many pr productions of this play and I all, all over the country. And wh why it resonates with people is they come up to you and older people uh, and they'll say, oh, it, it's about two kids who want to become concert pianists. And they, they all tell you with great regret about what they wanted to do with their lives, which is so sad to me. Um, but what I hope that we can spread the word about, because I know you are doing this as well, we've so bought into this capitalistic, and I always want to throw white supremacy in front of that, yeah. uh, and capitalism isn't going anywhere. Yeah. I hope white supremacy starts to go away. But the <laughs> thing is, I think that we can create an alternative that can live side by side with that. But we have to, I mean, that's why I'm so enamored with how did what, what did you i i've been saying cnu but you say canoe canoe it, it's it is cnu it's it's uh abbreviation for creators near you but i call it canoe you know because that's what it would say i mean i think that's gonna be the wave of the of the future is artists getting together and do which is which is history of art right you've got the group theory of all these things that have um evolved um spontaneously as opposed to we've, we're going to set out and we're going to make a lot of money. Right. Um, but I do think an artist needs to make money. And I think that's that's part of it. But I think if if as as an artistic community, whether it's music or theater or visual arts, whatever it is, spoken word, all of it, um, you know, if we can sell that there's a there's an alternative to to the, the capitalist model. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that a lot of people tell me these days is like they when I tell them about canoe and they ask me like, well, what are you know, what are you doing to make money? Like, what are you, you know, what's your marketing plan? And, you know, this is all new to me. You know, I never thought I'd be building an app or having a company in itself, you know, 
Um, but I, I tell them all the same thing. I was like, when I first started playing music, was it really about money? You know, I started playing music when I was 14 years old and it really helped me get off the streets. You know, it helped me kind of have an outlet for my frustration at the time or the things I was feeling. And, and money was never part of the equation. And obviously, you know, we grow up, you know, bills, responsibilities, they kind of catch up with you. But I really try to approach this from a sense of like, not thinking about just doing this to make a buck. You know, there's a kid out there right now that is considering putting down his passion. He's got a beautiful voice or she has a beautiful voice and she just doesn't know anybody. She doesn't know anyone to even get started. She has no idea. And there could be a person a block away from her that has every resource, has a studio like this, that, you know, has every resource she needs to, you know, make a Grammy winning album. You know, and I think that it's tragic when those two people don't have the facility to meet each other and, and to collaborate, you know? So I think environments like what you're doing with Crea, with Andre is doing with Love City, with Canoe, all these um, companies and organizations are really just trying to give power back to the creative communities. You know what I mean? And that's, like you said, the capitalistic mindset will say to you that, well, you don't you're not able to generate money, so you have no value. And I think that's completely wrong. I I also watched, you know, I, I don't know if you're you're hip to the organization Yoga to the People. Have you no. ever heard of them? Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, it's rather controversial and there's a lot of things that a lot a lot of problems uh, that that have come to light in the last year. But the reason the reason that I bring them up, um, I guess we're going back 12, 15 years now. Um, they started this model of donation-based yoga. And <laughs> whatever the coincidence is, Crea has been meeting at, it's, it's called the V-Spot restaurant. It's 12 St. Mark's, which is actually the same address as Yoga to the People. Yoga to the People were the, were the, three, the three floors above it. But they started with the vision of one guy who said, we can have yoga that doesn't cost $30 a class about the, the cool clothes and that whole thing for all its flaws, and there are many flaws to the organization, but at its height, there were a thousand people going in that building every single day doing yoga. And I, and now, and this is what the, the owner wanted, there are so many donation-based yoga studios all over the world, all over the world. And most yoga studios that do the $30 per class and all the fancy stuff, which is great, and I'm not, and I'm not knocking them either, but now they have community classes. So I think the same thing is true. And there have been, every, in every nook and cranny in New York City, there's a theater and there's, a, there's a, 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 a music venue. But I feel like the difference here is all of those places get started, they have some success, and then they eventually go into the world of the grants and the ticket prices go up and all the rest of that. I'm saying, that there can be art, arts that are this this other thing that cultivates because yoga to the people never went money for the classes. They had some hot studios where you had to pay, but it was always donation because that's what it was. And I think that that can serve such a great um, place in the artistic community and development and an artist wants to push himself and leave the stuff that they do well and do something else i just think there's so much in that world that's possible absolutely i mean imagine what the world would be without 
the people that were able to facilitate, you know, uh, means of change, you know, and, and ways for people to express themselves, you know, like if we all just kind of said, we're only going to operate and we're only going to do things if there's a, a means for benefit, you know, or some type of way to get monetary value back from it. How many, how many organizations, how many nonprofits, how many, how many people would have not benefited from the service that some of these places offer? Um, you know, you, you could be changing lives with just the ability to giving somebody an opportunity to just get up on stage or just, you know, show us what you got. You know what I mean? Um, you know, there could be a person right now that is just like not even more extreme than just giving up their passion, you know, be on the brink of like some type of emotional breakdown or something because they've invested their whole life in art and the world is trying to push them to, you know, conform to a, a suit and tie, you know? And it's like, look, nothing against people that have, you know, nine to fives or whatever. But I know for myself as a creative, I will operate for the rest of my life. No matter if I have a job that holds me up, I will always have a creative itch to scratch. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I will always have uh, a guitar. I will always have um, a piano or something that allows me to express myself because it has kept me level. It has kept me out of trouble, you know, and it has opened up doors for me to meet people like you throughout my life that, you know, are doing really great work, you know? Okay, so where did you get that, Chris? What Was that something your parents instilled in you? It was, you know, my parents, I'm very blessed. They they never discouraged my artistic ambitions. They never said to me um, that, you know, you can't do that or do something that makes money. They never said that to me. My I told my mom when I was 13 or 14 years old that I was super into rock and roll and I just want to get a guitar. And she got me a guitar, you know, my mom, my stepdad, Richard, you know, they both just always encouraged me to do whatever makes me happy. And, and that is a trickle down effect from their generation, because their generation, from what they explained to me, was one of like, you know, they they were always kind of almost belittled and said, like, you can't do that or you shouldn't do that. And their parents always kind of discouraged them from doing certain things that they were really passionate about doing. And they never wanted that for me, you know, so I think as generations progress, you know, my generation going forward will always kind of be forward thinking in the sense to say, listen, you know, there's a world out there that's going to demand you to make money, you know, for you to survive. But there is reason to believe there is a means to create for yourself, to keep yourself, even if it never brings you a dime, just create, do something that makes you happy, that allows you to express yourself. And I'm hoping that with Canoe that we're able to give people resources to always be inspired to create, always. You know, a lot of the things that we're gonna be doing in the years to come aren't necessarily, aren't even really about connecting. It's about giving you resources to make sure that you are always inspired, always engaged and informed about what is out there for you, you know? Well, I'm very pleased to, your parents are probably my age or close, yes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I have to say, I have a the 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 majority of my 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 students are in their twenties, and I certainly have teenagers in there. And yes, there are there are people that are getting the the kind of message that you're getting. But I would still say, even though we have come a long way in terms of the messages that we're giving our kids, we're still we're still not really told the importance 
that the arts can have, it doesn't have to be forced on anyone in our lives, which is why I think we have to keep really, <laughs> to, to use a very, to very, a very Christian image, preaching the gospel of, of what's there because our white supremacist capitalist culture keeps pointing us to, to the dollar, right? Or, or the peso or <laughs> the ruble whatever or whatever, the franc, the euro. Yeah. Um, and we have to keep coming back and saying, well, that's great. And, you know, we, we don't necessarily want to live on the street, although that may, may be an option. Yeah. But, but how, can we, how, how can we balance this? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, when I was in high school, um, I went to high school in East Orange, New Jersey, and it was a relatively new high school. I think it was only open for about a year. It was um, East Orange Campus High School. And they had a, a fully blown recording studio that they built into the, into the school. And their whole idea was great. And But when the state started cutting funding and everything, what was the first programs they cut? creating arts programs, you know? And, uh, you know, seeing that, even as a 14 year old, it also lends to my story and just why I believe that this is so important because, you know, you take that away from a kid, you take that away from somebody that has a passion about it, you, you're you almost forcing their lives in one direction. You know what I mean? There's no freedom to just express themselves or just have outlets. And, you know, one of the things that I told my friends and people when I was doing this, you know, down the line, you know, you know, God willing, you know, the canoe is, you know, successful and we're able to do great things. One of the things that I want to do hands down is to donate and to, uh, you know, work programs that inject money and fuel back into the creative arts communities and schools around the country. You know, that's one of our ambitions that we're going to 100% work towards to make sure that schools never completely disregard creative art programs around the country. You know, it's, it's something that I feel is so tragic that there's not an art class being promoted in a class, in a school, you know? Um, I, yeah. can't, I, I can't really speak to this, but I did go to drama school in, in London. And I feel like this notion of, the, of, of disregarding the arts is a, is a largely an American concept. Um, it, the arts seem to be built into other cultures. Now, I'm sure there are exceptions, and that, that's why I say I can't speak to it. But, you know, that's why we have to work so hard to connect and say, no, this is a valid, important part of life. Exactly. I mean, we're, you know, in, we're in pandemic times right now, you know, and this is, you know, there's, there's means for people to just continuously slash out programs and things that, you know, once brought great value to people's lives, you know, and I mean, I'm not very vast or knowledgeable in, you know, the performing arts, you know, in Broadway and stuff like that. In your experience and what you're seeing, how are those environments staying alive in this, in this current climate? Well, <laughs> there's both extremes, right? I was just reading an article about the, the whole phenomenon of the TikTok musical, yeah. which incredibly creative and exciting and 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 not only that but it's funny i just a, a friend of mine um bought a month subscription to the national theater in england and they have been uh recording the big the big shows over there certainly at the national theater but but others the way the that hamilton was recorded have you have you seen the hamilton pro shoot so many times <laughs> it's so great right and why do we not have that in this country? Absolutely. Yeah, 
I mean, we have a little bit, but not like this. And what's so impressive is when you go to the National Theater, you have a Nigerian uh, take on Three Sisters that is brilliant. There were two two plays about Indian history. I mean, totally diverse, diverse casting. They're a little ahead of us yeah. in that. Um, but you know, that's that's the other phenomenon of last year, this Black Lives Matter and dear white American theater. And I feel like the 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 level that we're working at, you and I are 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 interested in right now. Yes. I mean, we there is so much opportunity to build that diverse community of artists that we want, which may not match easily into capitalism. Absolutely. So it's kind of up to us to. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're we're definitely, you know, the work that we do and the things that we're trying to accomplish are things that are going to reverberate in the future. You know what I mean? And and even if our our ambitions, the things that we're trying to accomplish don't turn out the way we want, just putting out this video, just talking about it can inspire the generation ahead of us to pick yes. up, you know, the baton and keep running. You know what I mean? It's never yes. You know, it's never over. And as long as there is art, as long as there is creation and people that are passionate about expressing themselves in different ways, there's always going to be somebody that's willing to fight for it. You know, we're just the ones doing it right now, you know? Um, and, and it's unfortunate that, you know, we live in a world where, at least in a country, like you said, because it's not everywhere, but we live in a country where, you know, they really want to just, you know, snuff that out of us, you know? And I don't understand why. You know, why Why it's kind of just, I mean, I understand why, but I don't understand why it can't, we can't run along together. You know what I mean? There's so well, many- we can, and it's up to people like us to keep to keep spreading that that word. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, and I think that the work you guys do are, is really gonna make a, a true difference in the lives of so many people. So I really, you know, as always, I've told you this before, you know, as we develop, you know, we're always gonna be here to like help you guys and support whatever right. we can offer to you guys to just push along what you guys are doing. Cause um, I feel like I said, it's gonna make a huge difference in a lot of people's lives. Cool. Well, that's going to be it for this episode of the Canoe Creative Spotlight. Special thanks again to our guest, Carl Danielson, for joining us today. Make sure you follow Carl and Craya and all the links provided down below. And before we go, special announcement time. Canoe 2.0 is coming out this summer, and we do not want you to miss some of the amazing features we have built into it for you. So if you haven't already, make sure you go to www.creativesnearyou.com and download the Canoe Creative Networking app. We will have some exclusive promotions and offers that we offer to our current users on launch day. But we do not want you to miss it. So make sure you download the app. And on top of that, give us a like, give us a comment, subscribe to our channel, and pass this on to your friends so we can always promote these amazing creatives from around the world. My name is Chris from Canoe, and make sure you always connect, collab, 